Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush, which we've done enough of in this ad too, so let's get right to it. The new moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Money maker. Play the game and you could win money, up to $2 million. With more than $88 million in prizes, ranging from $50 to $500, Moneymaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. Hello, hello. Hello, how are you? Good, thanks, how are you? Yeah, pretty good. Been under the weather, actually, but all right, other than that. Oh, no, what's up? I know, just a cold, I think. Cold, sore throat, sort of flu-y type thing. Oh, that's rubbish. <laughs> more, more than anything, but yeah. Oh, that's going to stop you going out this weekend. Nah. nah no, 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 no. Don't be silly. <laughs> what are you doing this weekend? Uh, oh, quite busy, actually. So there's... It's someone's birthday on Friday, so maybe a little a little house party type thing. And then on Saturday, there's... Passing your germs around. No, I'd be all right by then. A couple of lem sips, you'd be fine. Um, and then on Saturday, there is a sort of like pub crawl type thing. It's called Didsbury Dozen. It's going to be quite heavy, I think. Right. Do you see we got quite a lot of stick for our smoke bomb? Yeah, well... Well, we, we got a stick from the idiots, didn't we? The people that condone it. The most stick we've had from opposing fans. You know, they're what team? Cheltenham. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's because we went in pretty heavy on them uh, in the first first few episodes of the season. Uh, and rightly so, because they time-wasted and they, they were... Uh, it, you remember, you mentioned it on the pod. It was that team that we played at home and they just... Yeah, yeah. Don't do it again, because we'll get a load of shit again. Don't do it again. Yeah, I won't, I won't, I won't. But they did deserve it. Um, guess what? What's, what's what, what, what? So I've been invited to World Championship Snooker cool. up up in Sheffield. And guess who's playing Sheffield the day after? Us. Yes, indeed. So, so you're going to be That's game. my first proper away game. Wow. Hillsborough is going to be your first away game. That is Hillsborough. Crazy. Yeah, good. Been there once before. Have you? Long. Yeah, well, I was very young. Um, if there's any City fans listening, they'll probably remember uh, Troy Archul-Henville went on a mazy run. If you want to YouTube it, it's a really great clip. Um, Troy Archul-Henville went on a mazy run from centre-half, took it past everybody and scored to to win. Wow. Yeah. But, um, yeah, great ground. That's that's incredible. The snooker, I'd love to go to the snooker. I bet it'd be, it'd be all right, that. Oh, Oh, just a, a, just been offered an amazing little thing, but I, I just had a look at. I thought I'd have a look at flipping out extra plane the next day. What a coincidence! Yeah, Are you going to take Naomi or anybody or Joe? Oh, okay, Joe. I don't know. Oh. He won't stay for the football. He'll go home. But he I'll will. To... He will. I'm He's not sure he will. Yeah. Well, you've got to get him to stay. Well, he, he might the... do, but he was the founding member of this pod. Yeah, he was. <laughs> he was one of the grandfathers. Yeah. So he should uh he should be he should go, shouldn't he? Well he should do. Well if you if you convince him to go, we might better like do something because I'll be going to that. Sheffield's only an hour from me. Oh you're going to that as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let's look into it. Yeah. 
On today's pod, we have... I'm excited for this one. I'm very excited for this one. Well, I am as well. Why are you excited? Uh, because I know how much of a character this individual is. So who is it, John? So we have Chaz the groundsman, head groundsman, should I say. Um, and and to, uh, to, uh, to City fans, they already know what kind of character he is. He's got his own little YouTube series and... People people love him at the club and he's a great guy. But to people that don't know, he's our head groundsman. He's got a series on YouTube called Life's a Pitch and he talks about all things Exit City pitch related, how he works incredibly hard all week round at the training ground, at the ground, sorting out all the pitches and he does a phenomenal job. So I can't wait. I'm so excited. Well, let's invite Chaz in now. <clears throat> I've got loads of questions lined up. Well, good. Good, one, of the, one of the questions is, where do you go to toilet? Oh, come on. No, it's not a great one. That's a... that's pretty obvious. Well, no, it's not, because I used to be a groundsman, and sometimes you can't be asked. So I'm wondering if he does it behind the tool shed. Definitely not. I bet he does. I bet he's gone to toilet behind <laughs> the tool shed. That would be, be your first question, then. <laughs> yeah. Hello, Chaz. Hello. Oh, you're there. Yeah, I'm not great on computers, so which is I don't know what I'm supposed to do if you want to see me. But, um, uh, there is. Um, can you see bottom left? It says, "Was it say John's video?" It says or... mute and then start video. There's two little buttons at the bottom left. If you if you're on a computer, just drag your sort of mouse down to the bottom left. Oh, here we go. Start video. I'm not. I'm not that bad. Hey, hi, Chaz. I use my glasses. I can't see nothing otherwise. <laughs> hi there. Hi, thanks for coming on. It's a pleasure. Oh, we're excited. I've been very excited for this one. Very excited. I used to be. I used to be a greenkeeper, Chaz. Yeah, so did I. Did you? Yeah. I was rubbish though. I did thirty years. Oh, whereabouts? A uh, place called Tinmouth. Okay. What, an 18-hole? Yeah, 18-hole. It was uh, um, Alistair, you heard of Alistair McKenzie? Who, yeah. He also designed, um, oh, what's the course in the States, which holds the, the biggest course in the States? Augusta? Augusta, yeah. Right. Yeah, he, yeah, he, he in the 20s, he, um, he was actually a, um, uh, in the First World War, he was, or he was, he was a, a camouflage specialist. And he went into golf course design and, um, yeah, he designed uh, a few courses up in the Midlands Leeds way. And then he came down and did Tinmouth, uh, Dr. Alistair McKenzie. Yeah. I was there to, from, uh, when I was about 12 years old, I started, I used to play golf. My parents shut me up there when I was a kid and I got a bit bored playing golf. So, um, I quite liked the buggies. Everyone drove around. Oh them. yeah. I love so the buggies. I yeah. So I started, um, repairing the rakes. Because back in them days, you had a few nails and stuck in a bit of wood, and they used to break. And I started repairing the rakes, and uh, and then eventually I ended up working on the course in the summer, and then uh, left school and worked there in the same place for thirty years. So you I, were the you were the head greenkeeper then. I, I finished off as head greenkeeper. Yeah, I was I was the boy. Then I was I went through uh, mechanic, uh, irrigation engineer, deputy, and then my boss retired and. I was lucky enough to be head groundsman, head greenkeeper for, for uh, 
16, 18 years, something like that. Right. Imagine this, Chaz. I'm working for you. You're a head greenkeeper. We're opening up this brand new course, and the owners from Fuji are coming over to play play around. You you tell me on the th- on the Thursday before they come on the Monday. You tell me to go and cut all the greens. I go out, yeah. cut all the greens, and then realise I left the diesel cap off and spilt diesel over oh. the first six holes. Oh, well, how would you have dealt with that? Because I did that. <laughs> diesel did it? Did it react that quickly? Yeah, we had to. I'm pretty sure we had to. Yeah, we had to put new turf in. Oh right, okay. So it's the the, it's the opening day. Yeah. <laughs> oh, lovely. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've I've um I've done a few hydraulic pipes in the time oh, when you don't realise. And uh, yeah, the heat, the heat is the heat from the oil, not necessarily necessarily the oil. Right. You had lines all over the green. So. Oh my god. But Tim Timoth, we used to suffer with um, uh, stolen cars. Stolen cars being driven onto we the course. That. We had that. <laughs> yeah. And we had people defecating in the third hole. Oh, we had, ours was the 13th because it was the furthest <laughs> one out. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, honestly, it'd be, it'd be, you'd be gutted. Like, on a Monday morning, the boss would go, could you go down to the third hole? Oh, for God's sake. Got to do that again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just take a spare cup. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so when did you start? When we when did you start looking after the Exeter pitch? Okay, so um, did thirty years at golf, and then uh, twelve years ago, I think, uh, yeah, two thousand and eleven. Right, um, two thousand and eleven. I joined Exeter. Uh, I I helped them out uh, a little bit back in the day when they were just coming out of their problem years. Um, because I was friendly with one of the players, a gentleman called Paul Buckle. Um, and he introduced me to my childhood hero, Mr. Perryman, Mr. Steve Perryman, who, who's become a, a good friend of mine. Uh, and I helped them out when they're in trouble. And they offered me the they offered me to come and work for them, but I was in a stable, good job and everything. So, you know, no disrespect, but they just come out of administration or, you know, troubled times. So I had a family to feed and everything. I didn't want to risk it. And um and then the opportunity arose to come and join my predecessor, Clive. I'd helped him out. We worked together on various projects. And um, he came from golf as well. He came from Woodbury Park, which was Nigel Mansell's course. But yeah, so um, the opportunity came to to you know change change the type of uh, sports surf I looked after. And so uh, I was lucky enough to come to Exeter. Um, Were you in the school before, chat? Were you into footy before, or was it like do not into any sports, or were you just focusing on? Uh, okay, like so um, I used to play football. Uh, I actually played with uh, a team called Dawlish Villa, and it was managed by Ken Furphy. Have heard of him? No, you might be worth googling Ken Furphy. He had a sports shop in Dawlish, and I played with his son Keith Furphy, who played. Played for played for Argyle back in the day, and well, Ken Furphy actually managed Pele. I think you'll find he, he managed managed that in the states, and he came back to Devon and, and uh, got a sports shop in Dawlish, and they they started a football team. And who I played back in the day, I wasn't very good. I was a winger at that point. I wasn't as big as I am now. And then I got into uh, uh, when my kids, I wanted my kids to play rugby. 
Um, so I got into rugby. So I was a coach and a referee rugby. But my passion is actually cricket. I love cricket. Same. So, oh, let's yeah. talk cricket. See you <laughs> later, John. Oh, really? Who, do you go and watch many games? Or No, no. Um, I love cricket because... I moved down to Devon from Kent uh, when I was four. I obviously didn't know much about it. Whereabouts in Kent? Um, uh, Herne Bay, a place called Herne Bay. Okay, we live near Tom Canterbury. Right. Yeah, we're on the coast. So Canterbury, Herne Bay, Tankerton, that sort of, right on the coast. Big, The big long pier and everything. Um, anyway, moved down from there. My dad got a job with the local council and uh, moved into a new build. And the next door neighbour moved in was a gentleman called Len Coldwell. Len Coldwell played for Worcestershire and England. Oh, and he was a fast bowler. What? I've never heard of him. Len, Len Coldwell. Coldwell played for Worcestershire and England. Played for England. He retired and he got a job like a lot of sportsmen did with Whitbread, yeah. the old brewery. And I always remember he moved in next door and... He so I had an ex England fast bowler used to bowl at me as a like a five or six year old, with, which when we used a dustbin for a wicket, so he used to drag the dustbin out, put it in the middle of the street, and he would bowl at you. But he, his knees were shot at that point. Um, and yeah, so yeah, so a gentleman called Len Coldwell. I've seen, I've got a picture here. Len Coldwell opens the Len Coldwell Pavilion at Newton Abbott. Newton Abbott, yeah, that's yeah. He used to play for Newton Abbott as well. Yeah. So do you do you know what? Sorry, John. We'll get back to football in a minute. Okay, it's interesting. So I've moved down to Devon, and the one thing that sort of annoyed me is that it doesn't feel like there's much cricket going on down here. Like there's loads of it up in Sussex. Yes, loads. We have um, my uh, my my eldest son is the captain of the first team of the Tinmouth and Sheldon Cricket Club. Um, which plays in Tynmouth. Um, and uh, we used to play in Sholden, um, up by Coombe Cellars up the River Team. But uh, we outgrew that because we got a, a two sides and a load of kids playing. All our children used to play. So right. we took on an old sports field, uh, which was actually next to my old primary school. Um, and we got it all up and running. And now we have a little cricket ground with two grounds at the same place and we pull a net across. Right. So uh, we've got, we got first, seconds and thirds, ladies, junior, all the juniors, everything. So, um, but I'm the, of, well, not obviously, but I am the groundsman at the cricket club. So, oh, you're the groundsman uh, as well. Yeah, yeah. So throughout the summer, so, you're looking after the wicket. So the, in the summer, I get up early on a Saturday morning, me and a few of my... Uh, my uh, convict-style friends, it's a bit like Last of the Summer Wine. We all meet up at like seven in the morning and one of them goes in and starts cooking a full English breakfast and the rest oh. of us get the pitch, get the pitches ready. But the, the, the views from the ground are to die for. They look out through the teen estuary and out to sea. So, I, gee, I'm playing, in June, I'm playing a match at Linton and Lynmouth. Do you know that ground? Yeah, I've not been there, but I've seen pictures of it. It looks amazing. Oh, I'm playing a game there this summer. I can't. Yeah, I can't oh, wait. Wow. Looks incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So are you a batsman or a bowler? I was an opening bat. I haven't played for about four oh. years. All oh, right, okay. Yeah. But I got to the point where I, the last game I played, I dropped three catches and I felt like I'd turned into that bloke. 
who everyone goes in the bloody hell he's playing. Yeah, there you go. Oh, my God. Who's underneath it? Oh, my yeah, God. Not him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. So when you got the job at Exeter, were you sort of apprehensive about changing sports? And Is it a different type yeah. of job? Yeah, it was, up? yeah. Yeah, yeah, because it's a completely different... Um, uh, I mean, golf, you get, um, you know, sort of 25 to 30 minutes to prepare for a whole day and it's every day relentless. And then the pace of the football, you get, you know, two weeks to play, to prepare for 90 minutes, um, which is, which, which was a real sh- shock because I was used to rush and tear and charge round and, you know, get everything done so quickly. So the golfers could get out there. And then the football, it was like, you know, get your big, you know, big cigar out and put your slippers on and yeah, okay, well, we'll get it done when we need to. I mean, it's so a you basically don't now, do but... much work. <laughs> um, well, no, that's what everybody thinks. I, 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 I do, I do chuckle to myself when people say, oh yeah, you just cut grass. Yeah. You just cut. Well, I, I do cut grass and that's, if that's the way you want to look at it, I'm cool with that. But, um, I guarantee you, you would be falling asleep in the car on the way home if you came to work with me for a day. So, yeah. So yeah. what is your, um, what's what's the working week like, and what's the kind of calendar year like for you? When's the busiest time? Mm, busiest time is when the season finishes. Is it? So, so basically, uh, me and my lad shine when the season finishes because as soon as that last game finishes, it's game on. The pitches are ours, and we are now then preparing for the next year. So we've got like it's a bit like um, the D-Day landings. Everyone waiting, getting organised, um, and then as soon as that game finishes, you know that we take over the whole place. And what do you um, do in until, that time? Um, we renovate the stadium. Uh, we'll 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 kill off the grass in the stadium, and then we'll shave off the surface. Uh, we will then do. There's a several different things you can do, but we'll base, basically resurface the stadium, reinvigorate all the drainage and get it prepared, uh, reseeded, ready for the following year. Um, you should so see it, David. There's it's like a really exciting time YouTube. of year. Yeah, there's like big YouTube videos. I think I've like seen that, yeah. It's, it's so interesting. Why do, you, why do you have to do that every year? Well, we've got to try and... The biggest thing for for us in football is keeping the drainage working and the nature of football with the grounds being moved around, you know, especially when it's wet is it, it over time, the drainage becomes less efficient um, because the soil gets moved over the drain lines and stuff. So uh, the prime objective is to make sure the drains are are as operation as they can be. Um, And the other thing is no matter what you do, uh, you seed the stadium or any football pitches, you seed them with certain types of grasses, uh, which you want to be playing football on. So basically, um, whenever there's a scar in the football, you know, when a heel goes in or whatever, when you yeah. see the lads divoting, um, you get the the weed grasses blowing in on the wind that are really good at growing very quickly. And over the season, uh, if you've got 100% of the right grasses at the beginning of the season, by the end of the season, you'll have uh, up to 10% of the grasses you don't want, which have got very little root, and they will will kick out at the, you know, without hardly, they've hardly got any roots on them. So, which is why every year you kill it off and start again. 
Because if you had 10% at the beginning of one season, if you went to two seasons, you'd probably have 30 to 40%. Right. And then by the third season, you're, I mean, by the four, if you did it four seasons without doing it, you'd end up with, you know, 80 to 90% metagrass, which um, as soon as you walk on it, it would just shear off. You would end up bits kicking out and all the rest of it. Um, and also each year you want to be re-leveling it and getting it like a billiard table. Hmm. So... I didn't know much about pitches until I was on the trust board. And obviously that we've always tried to invest more on the pitches. We've had more money, but am I right in saying there's like different layers to the surf as well? It's sort of like grass. And then there's like a layer. It's like, a, is it like a court layer or something like that? Like how it is. It's no, you're, you're thinking about the AstroTurf. Oh, so basically okay. the stadium, the stadium pitch, uh, if you start from the bottom, you've got what they call primary drainage, which is pipe drainage. So you've got a herringbone, herringbone system under the pitch. Uh, with stone filled trenches with pipes in the bottom uh, and they go into a, a, a drain all the way around the pitch uh, and then going into those you've got sand lines so like no sorry then then lines of um, like pea gravel uh, and then when you come towards the surface you get about uh, about 150 mil of uh, a very sandy top soil um, which is about 80% sand, 20% soil. But within that topsoil, a uh, couple of years ago, we introduced um, uh, what what's called fiber sand. So it's got fibers in the sand and the fiber in the sand, because if you imagine you just had a sand pitch, if it dried up, it would just blow away, be impossible to play and be like playing on a beach. But we, we, we've we opted for a fiber sand pitch where the fibers in the sand hold the sand together um, and stop it from moving around. Uh, and then once you start growing grass through it and putting grass roots into it, you are really, um, you know, you really do create that firm surface that we enjoy to play on or the lads enjoy to play on as, you know, at, at the moment. Um, but that over time, you, you get the fibre tested and you need a certain percentage of fibre to make sure it performs in a certain way. And we then um, add, like this year, we're adding quite a considerable amount of fibres into the back into the pitch to get the fibre levels back up so we keep that firmness and the consistency of the surface that we're looking for. And then we basically do our bestest to grow as much grass in there as possible. So when you when you get to work at the end of the season, how long have you got between that season finishing and the first game for the next season? And are you up against it in that time? Uh, yeah, you can be, but you can use every tool in the book to get it growing. Uh, once you get grass establishment, I mean, you can you can do it in as little as six to eight weeks with modern technology, with the fertilizers and the and the irrigation systems. Um, you can put a massive well. You can use the frost covers and put them over the pitch to germinate the grass quicker, like a germination sheet, like you have in your garden. You know, gardeners in the spring sort of thing um so there's lots of things i mean i wouldn't want to do it in anything less than eight um and i think this year last game's on the sixth and then i think the first game's at the end of july so i've got a reasonable amount of time to do it but i have got quite a lot i want to get done and we're not actually going to do our renovation till about the 20th of may so um i'll have a, a little over little over eight weeks eight or nine weeks i think so but i'm pretty confident we're we'll, we'll be fine so when you rip it all up or shave it all off is there a moment when you go home, you go, shit, look at the state of it. Are you no, confident that no, it's going to be ready? I don't, or... 
I go, yes, it's going to be better next year than it was this year. Right. I just, I think I'm just imagining me doing it going, shit, what have I done? Oh God. But you're obviously, you're a groundsman, so you know what you're doing. (laughs) Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I do, I've got a lot of people around me who I lean on and ask and talk to and, you know, we use independent uh, advisors uh, and the contractors we use to be fair are absolutely superb. Um, you know, they do, they do all, all pitches, you know, they do, um, you know, they've just done the leads training ground and they've got plenty of strings to their bow where they do the same sort of work. So you're very much in, it's not, it's not my specialist subject end of season maintenance, but there are people um, around you, you know, who, who you rely on and lean on and you look at their work, you know, you go around and look at their work and see what it's like. Yeah, how, big, how big an influence does the manager have on the style of pitch, Chaz? Because obviously managers like Matt might have had, liked a softer pitch or Gary might like a firmer pitch. How much does it vary and how much room do you have to work with? How how much can you influence that? Um, well, to be fair, I'd like to say it's, it, there's a variation, but there hasn't been a variation. Um, we produce the best pitch we can produce and both the managers that I've worked under have been very happy with what we've produced. So I think, you know, uh, there is, uh, you know, some people say, you know, have it longer, have it softer, you know, there's sort of, uh, so I've never been asked to do anything to the pitch uh, other than to produce the best possible surface. Unlike in the cricket, when I'm playing in the thirds and bear in mind, I'm a spin bowler then the pitches may differ slightly in cricket. Yeah. How the pitch is prepared. What, for your own deliveries? For my own deliveries, yeah. (laughs) But uh, other than that, don't tell anyone, though. No, no. Um, I won't say anything. I was was leading with me taken for four or five years on the trot. What, a um, little leg break? (laughs) Yeah, so, um, but yeah, no, I've never been asked, if I'm honest, um, I'd like to say differently, but it isn't, you know, it's... uh, it's it's just produce the best surface we can produce and and then the 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 lads are confident to play on it and they don't come off being able to use you know that they come off knowing that if they leave everything on the pitch it the pitch will have won't have it won't have had a negative effect on their game it would have only enhanced their game because of the style of football everybody plays we spoke to joe white i think it was joe white and he said um it's the best pitch in the league. What? Why is it? Because we we look. We, we, uh, there's a couple of games where we played Port Vale and so. I know you probably don't want to talk down anyone else, but we played a, on a couple of pitches. Like, why is their pitch in the state that it is and ours looks like a carpet? Um, uh, uh, no groundsman will go out and produce anything than the best they can produce. They'll be restricted by finances. They'll be restricted by staffing levels. They'll be restricted massively by the weather. Obviously, down in the south, uh, we get warmer temperatures. We do get a fair amount of rain. But also, the um, just the coincidence of when you have, or just the circumstance around when you have games. Like this year, for example, we've hardly had any games which have uh, been particularly wet or, or runs of games where we've been particularly wet. Um, because we haven't been in the under 23s cup, we haven't had the under 23s games in there. So I would, I would, I'd be honest and say our pitch hasn't had a hammering this year. I don't know how it would have performed if it had. I like to think it would have been fine, 
Um, but I don't know because we haven't we haven't had those horrible games like we did the Boxing Day game, which was called off uh, against Forest Green a few years ago. Um, so, but it whenever it's whenever it's rained, it, it's got rid of the water, which is basically that's the thing that damages the pitches if you playing on soft, wet ground and you have two or three games on the bounce, then that's when your pitch gets damaged. And we haven't had those runs of games. So um, if they have had a run of games, they may have other people playing in there. They may have under 23s, under 18s. And if you get to a run of two or three games on a really wet patch where you haven't had a chance to let it recover, then that could be the reason why I think I don't believe other managers would say, you know, make the pitch longer or make the pitch shorter or make the pitch harder or softer or whatever. Um, I'll be surprised anyway. It's a bit of a cop-out if you're having to do that. Sure, you, you, know, you get out there and you have a dust-up with whoever you're playing and the best team wins. And uh, if you've got to start resorting to those sort of tactics, then you'd be better off maybe hanging up your boots and doing something else, I would have thought. How much are you invested in the game on a Saturday? Are you, do you sort of care or are you just like, oh, God, it feels like Busman's holiday? With them playing on it, um, I do. I do care. It does make a big difference to us. Um, uh, I have a few volunteers to help me, um, which I'm really grateful for. And the mood in the, you know, if we win, uh, we give it with a spring in our step, and you know, because we know we're all happy. Um, me personally, uh, I'm not really a fan of sport generally. Um, I like playing sport. I like watching sport. I like watching my kids play sport. But I'm not as, I mean, I've got friends who scream and shout at the telly and stuff. And I like look at them as if they're mad. John's um, like that. If anything, if anything I'm, I'm embarrassed to, to call them my friends sometimes, you know, and you right, think, well, yeah. that, guy's, that, that guy's trying as hard as he possibly can. He didn't mean yeah. to miss that penalty or miss no. that goal or miss that run or whatever or make a tough cross. Yeah. And because, I think when you work here, you get a completely different outlook because everybody is doing their best and they are really trying hard and nobody's trying not to do their best or be their best. And then for someone who, you know, who's not who's not out there playing or, or out there doing whatever sport, whether it be rugby, cricket, whatever, to then criticise them and say, well, you get out there and have a go and see how you get on. And, yeah. you know, uh, there's a million circumstances. And, yeah. yeah. Who was it? Um, who was the lady that shouted at the Norwich fans? Let's oh, be having you, Delia Smith. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah no, I'm, I, you know, so I, I do. I think when you work here and you see how hard everyone trains and works, and and then people criticise them, it, it frustrates me, and I just remove myself. But when I was a rugby coach, I used to stand on the opposite side to the opposition and all the mums and dads because I couldn't bear to listen to their their tittle tattle. Um, and uh, and and I'd rather just watch the game and and you know just let everybody do have a go. Like I suddenly thought this whole podcast, John, is tittle tattle. <laughs> yeah, that would be quite concerning. Yeah, Chas, how <laughs> split is your time between the training ground and the ground? Uh, so uh, on a non-match day, on a non-match um, week, uh, we'll probably spend eighty percent at the training ground and twenty in the stadium. And then it probably it probably drop it moves up to about 50-50 running up to a game, uh, the week running up to a game. Um, so it does vary. Yeah, it does vary quite a lot. And what's what would you say is harder? Is it harder to keep maintaining the training ground, obviously, because there's more pitches and all this, or is it harder to uh, to maintain the the, the ground? Uh, the training ground is far more 
far more challenging than the stadium at the moment. It hasn't always been the case. The stadium before we had the fibre sand pitch was, um, you know, I'll be quite honest, there were days when you would just close your eyes when you're trying to prepare something, knowing that it, you know, you're just rolling mud. I can't, I really don't like rolling mud. Um, so everything I do at the training ground is to try and avoid rolling mud. And the only way I can do that is be really grumpy with all the coaches and the, and the, uh, fitness coaches and everybody and are they scared of you Chaz are they scared of you well they they allegedly say they are <laughs> um, how can I be scary suddenly old granddad that I am you know? <laughs> yeah um, but I'm do you a, moan I am a bit of a because my first boss at Dorking Golf Club was an absolute pain in the arse and he'd have a go at me he'd have a go at golfers like, would you do you moan at the footballers uh, they, they they probably say I do I just point about I just point out the error of their ways <laughs> and suggest ways in which we can all work together <laughs> to keep grass on the surfaces because I really detest rolling mud um uh, and and that's uh, so I I try and I try and encourage everybody to use the grass the natural surfaces in a way where we you, they'll always have a natural surface to play on which isn't rolled mud so my quest for the whole the whole of the whole of the training ground is not to be rolling mud, and um, that sometimes comes across as me being grumpy. I probably would have to admit that. Well, it did just then, to be fair. Guys, <laughs> <laughs> how obvious on the pitch at the stadium are where the sprinklers would come out? Because when I was a kid, I used to think, "Well, surely someone was just going to accidentally knock up a sprinkler, or whatever." Can you see on the pitch where the sprinkler would actually be? No, no. You you put the sprinklers up, and then you'll drop them down again and walk out there, and you won't find them because wow. they've got turf cups on them. So, um, you, so sometimes if the birds have been pecking out, especially when we had that hot summer, we had the birds pecking on the sprinkler heads because there was water there and they would pick the grass out and then obviously you can see it easily then. And then what we we came up with a cunning plan, um, we, 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 have, we, we did consider shooting them and decided it probably wasn't appropriate. So <laughs> um, uh, uh, the, the, the seagulls and the pigeons... So what we did is we went to the local uh, uh, plant store and got some hanging baskets, and we took the took the took the uh, hanging part of the hanging basket off, turned them upside down, and they were tall. When the sprinklers popped up, the hanging basket was tall enough that the sprinkler <laughs> could still go round. We so we pinned them with some uh, pinned them with some large staples around the sprinkler. And then proceeded to sit quietly and watch the birds walk up and try and peck the sprinklers, only to find there was an upturned hanging basket over it. And we were very, very proud of ourselves. And we still live on that one today. We very proudly put the hanging upturned hanging baskets on, knowing the birds can't peck our sprinklers out. Nice. It, it's 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 really high tech stuff, I tell you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ch Chaz, what's I don't know what this question's what it is, but what's it like mowing that ground when the stadium's completely empty? Is it a strange? Because I've only ever been there when there's been five, six, seven thousand people in there. What's it like when it's completely empty? It's just you and a mower. It's great. Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. The um, the the mow the best the best mowings are when you're double cutting before twelve o'clock kickoff, and you've got to go in and mow under the floodlights in the morning and the dawn. And what? the sun, the sun Do comes you? up. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Get in there when it's dark. 
flick a few, flick the floodlights on and mow, the, do the first cut with oh. the floodlights, and then and then dawn comes up. I know, I'm not sure if the students are over the moon with me mowing in there at 7.30. <laughs> what? So you put the, the floodlights on at 7 in the morning <laughs> and do a little mow? Well, we, yeah, we, we, if it's uh, if we double cut him before, uh, you know, normally if it's a 12 o'clock game, it's a big game. That's why it's a 12 o'clock game. So we want to we wanna be showing off and it may or may not be our nearest rivals who live just down the road. <laughs> why do you and, double uh, cut just to get the stripes looking? Uh, we double cut because it does look proper sexy when you yeah, double cut. Yeah, I love that. I bloody <laughs> yeah, love that. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. I used to take yeah. so much time cutting around the tees and it is very yeah. sexy. That was yeah. going to be one of my yeah. questions is like, I don't know if this is really self-explanatory or not. How do you get all the patterns and stuff into the pitch? Because that is like, that's beyond my... Um, basically, when, you, when you're walking with the mower, yeah? Yeah. It's the light cut. So it's the lighter shade. Okay. Because the grass is laying away from you. And then when you turn and come the other way, you're still in the light shade, but the other shade, the other, the one you've just been on turns to dark. It's the way the grass lays once the roll has been over it. It's the rolling action of the mower or oh, a roller, oh. which gives you the thing. Now, going back to cricket, in cricket, you don't want that stripe in the in the pitch. You don't see stripes in a cricket wicket, the, the bit you're playing on. Um so you just cut up and down in the same direction. So because obviously you don't want lines in a in a cricket in the in the in the cricket wicket. Oh, but Chaz, yeah, so. when I used to play in the uh, work on the golf course, we used to, on a Friday the best job would be if my boss said, "Right, on a Friday morning you're going to go and do the fairways," and it was yeah. gorgeous sunny day, and you just spent eight hours doing the fairways, and at the end of it, they just look well, like you said, horny. Well, you said sexy. Yeah. I say, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so satisfying. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, it is very, very satisfying. Um, and you know, certainly the last couple of years since we've had this new pitch, it's uh, you, you go in with a spring in your step on a on a decent on a decent Saturday morning. This Saturday's looking great. It's looking like it's going to be a a decent day to prepare the pitches. And uh, you know, it's it, it's uh, it's about a six mile yomp at reasonable pace, but it's the most enjoyable six mile yomp you do it. And that's when you're mowing half the pitch because we've got two mowers and we have two of us out there. It's six miles, and then all, is it? All, it's about six miles, yeah, up and down, up and down for half the pitch. Um, but and, and you do that in about an hour. So it's just, you know, um, but... Uh, and then well, sorry, the you, well, sorry, both of you are doing six miles or three miles There's each? Two of you, yeah, two of you are doing about six miles, yeah. And it takes an hour? Yeah, bloody hell! Yeah, but you are at pace. But you have to consider the mower is pulling you along, so it's not like you've got to push it. So, but it is it is good. Um, but when you at my age, you then go and sit down over bacon sarnie, and then you get to get up and have to do the white lining, and all of a sudden the, the legs are. Uh, uh, I've got different ideas. That's what I was going to ask you. Like, Where do you eat? Where do you eat your lunch? That's not what I thought. You we were we've got our own little mess room. We've got a little mess room. Where is it? Yeah. Over in the far corner, under the big bank. Yeah, oh, right. Yeah, it's the stuff. It's the stuff fairy tales are made of. <laughs> yeah, it's it. You, you go, you go out the, um, you go through our little uh, area where our machines are. Yeah, and then we re, we re, we upcycle the old toilet door from the old changing rooms in the old, the old grandstand, 
and it has a red door which was the old toilet which used uh, um and we saved that door we use it so you go through the old red toilet door and then you duck in underneath the stand and there's well you you smell it before you see it and it's not the toilet it's bacon drifting out of the shed smoky bacon oh you've got a little kitchen area in there got a little kitchen area you george foreman fire fire up the george foreman somebody one of you breaks off and fires up the george foreman and then it's often tiger baguette with uh smoky bacon bacon lettuce and tomato and then nando's peri peri mayonnaise like glazed on the top and they can't and it doesn't get much better than that and that's nice right under the big bank that little that that's room. right under the oh. big bank yeah 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 wow. you're more than welcome to join us if you uh if you end up in there come oh. and find us wow what's um what's pete in the lines like Chaz? because hang on I, a minute joe hang on can we, sorry can we go back oh, to yeah, yeah go on we'll save that question we'll have save you that. got a fridge yeah because my, my old boss, I used to bring yogurts in. And one day I went to get my yogurt and he'd unpeeled the lid and put a spider in there. So oh, that's, uh, that's the sort of thing. That's the sort of thing the groundsmen do. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if you could do that maybe over the next couple of months. Well, yeah, I'm sure we could. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, I, I think I think these this day and age, HR would have something to say. Yeah. Oh, that's a shame. <laughs> well, I'll return to my previous Sorry, question. John. Sorry. Now you know that Chaz has a fridge. Uh, what's the pressure like of drawing the lines? Because I'd be so oh, scared. Uh, the white line. Yeah, yeah. Like- yeah, yeah. It's not. Um, you've you've got to you've got to you've got to be in the right frame of mind. You've got to be in a relaxed frame of mind, and you've also got to have confidence in what you're doing. You don't want to be doing it if you're. You don't want to be doing it in a rush. You need to do it plenty of time. You do plenty, plenty of paint ready, and more importantly, you need to make sure your white liner you've looked after it and you haven't you put it away properly the last time you used it because otherwise you just get you you, you find you you're rushing and then the nozzle blocks are up and then it, but yeah we we've got we suss that out now um, we uh, we've got spare nozzles and stuff so yeah no it's it is yeah I mean it is pressure it's about doing it um, often if you get do it slowly and nervously you'll You've got to do it with confidence, get a nice straight line. But we also, quite often, we string line it. So we'll put a string line out um, from one end to the other, and then we'll follow the string line because the line does migrate slightly as you're mowing it. So as the graph is being folded one way, then the other, one way, then the other, the line can deviate. So every every two or three games, we'll put the string lines out and, and we'll straighten our lines, both that with the white liner and with the mowing. I used to do the lines on on a Saturday morning for a local football team, and obviously that was a crap level, and just didn't give a shit what it looked like. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I made a right. Opinion. There's some there's some great stuff on the internet about people that have gone round coke cans and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What are you going up? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Is there anything you see on a match day, Chaz, like a player doing something or, you know, like the one thing that springs to my mind is like a keeper kicking up the penalty spot where you're sort of like, hold on a minute, that's not my pitch, stop doing that, or oh, that's going to be a pain in the ass to sort out? Um, I've, I must admit, I've, I've witnessed and experienced that we, we often don't see it until after it's done because although I do sit up in the stands and, and be ready to hurl Hurl obscenity, not obscenities, <laughs> but polite obscenity. Wait, where do you watch the game from then? No, this is this is when I prepared when I prepared the pitch and the stadium's empty and I've finished all my work. I'll go and sit up in the stand 
and I'll just go and suss everybody out who's going to annoy me and who isn't. Um, often <laughs> photographers annoy me because they decide they can walk around the pitch uh, when there's a perfectly good tarmac. We spend a lot of money on tarmac and they decide they're going to walk on the pitch, whereas they could walk a foot, foot the other side of the line. Um, yeah, people coming out and deciding to make phone calls on the pitch is quite annoying. Um, I'm just thinking of when me and John had our little pictures taken for Devon Live and strode out onto the pitch in our shoes. Yeah, I quite often look at the Twitter stuff and I thought, hmm, that person's on the pitch. And uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, this, yeah, you can't get away with it once you've taken a photograph and put it on social media, can you? Yeah. I remember as a kid, you like going to wait by the old grandstand for players to come out and you know sort of say hello, whatever, whatever I could get signatures, this, that, the other. And Steve Perryman used to scream at some people, really. Used yeah, to shout, yeah. He did. He wasn't afraid to use his voice. No. Um. Uh. What's going on? What's the worst accident? Not sort of physical injury, but what's the worst accident with kind of machinery you've had on the pitch? Have you kind of damaged it in any way? Um, where you thought, oh God, we've got a week or two's work here to sort that out. Um, not really. I, I can't really think of any. Um, do I remember? Am I correct in thinking, uh -huh. Chaz, that once you hit a, a not you specifically, but the grounds team at the time hit a water pipe or something once, and water was like spilling out onto the pitch? I, I don't know if that's. Uh, yeah, during the COVID, um, uh, I had a, a long list of volunteers that wanted to come and help be a groundsman. Uh, which also meant they get to see the football and uh, and I used to share the jobs around. And in, in the irrigation box, uh, we used to water because the the automatic side was playing up. So we we watered manually. We manually turned them on and off. And there were three taps in the box. One did one sprinkler, one did the other sprinkler, and then the other one did the hose pipe connection, which if you looked into it, the hose pipe connection, like you look could look down into the hose pipe connection, and it was a one inch, one inch pipe with eight bar of pressure, which is a huge pressure. And uh, if you opened that valve up, it would send water 20, 25 feet into the air. And the last thing I said to uh, uh, one of my volunteers was, make sure you turn the right valve. Oh, God. And all three valves looked exactly the same. Yeah. And he he was obviously very excited and a bit starstruck by being offered this job because I try and share the workload a little bit to keep everybody interested. Um, and obviously if I'm not there, then people aren't, you know, shocked when they've got to do slightly different jobs. He hit the wrong valve. It was a freezing cold, probably a February day. It was during COVID. So there was no, no people in there, but it was caught on the uh, pitch camera because it was on the opposite side to where the, where the gantry is. And he fired this into his face and you can just see the footage of him desperately trying to put his hand in. It was just before the game was starting. It was just a pre-match water. And this this um, this uh, jet of water went straight up his trouser leg into his face. And then he fumbled to try and turn it off. Um, and luckily he had some clothes in his car and he went back to his car, changed his clothes. We gave him a few waterproofs and stuff. And he... Uh, and he, he managed to do the whole game. But um, if you speak to Scott, there is that footage kicking about. Oh, is of, there? Uh, of... Rick, <laughs> Rick, that, yeah. Rick being hit by the sprinkler. Um, <laughs> and that's good. Yeah. Have you, have you yeah. ever found anything buried under the 
So we were told there's a parrot buried in, under the. Uh, yeah, no, not 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 in the stadium really. Um, I've dug the stadium up um, when we were doing exploration and stuff, but I never found anything particularly you wouldn't expect to find. Um, lots of old clay pipes and stuff, but no, nothing. You don't you don't really dig the stadium up that much, to be fair. And if you do, it's with a tractor, and that pretty much mashes everything up anyway. I, I've got this. Where'd you go to toilet, Chaz? Because I'll be honest with you, when I worked on the golf course, sometimes I couldn't be asked to go back to the mess room. <laughs> um, well, you know, obviously, if you just if you just need a pee, then you you, you know, yeah, in the stadium, obviously, there's toilets everywhere, but out of the training ground, you know, it's like um, there's always a hedge, hedge <laughs> needs watering. <laughs> exactly. Cool, serious. <laughs> There you go. I just wondered if you'd sort of gone behind like the the food, the whatever you call it. No, but no, no, no. 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 There's plenty of toilets. Like <laughs> no. no. Um, how many of you are there? Uh, there's myself and two other full timers, and then we've got Big Bad Bob, the bass player. Um, he 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 uh, he's our sort of tidying up man he he used to work for the stars doing their gardens up in london so he tells us anyway he tells some great stories of all the famous people he's worked for but he's got a great eye for keeping the edges tidy and he's got he does a day a week tidying up and then in the autumn he helps out the leaves but he's a great guy to have around um a real he's a real football uh football man he loves he loves exeter and um you know, follows follows all the teams. Uh, so there's there's three full timers, including myself plus Bob, um, and then we've got a few volunteers that come in on a match day regulars. Um, they're really we're really grateful with the divoting and getting the goals put away quickly and stuff. So yeah, we're really lucky to have people, people good solid people around us, um, and and you know they're, they're not too high maintenance, and um, you know we we look after them and. They look after us, you know. So if the game if the, if the game finishes at like five on a Saturday, when when are you sort of locking up and leaving to get home? Um, we generally, I generally get out of the door about quarter past half past six, sort of thing. We we normally do an operation on the pitch once the game finishes, whether it's putting a few little holes in it or doing a clean-up cut or we'll definitely do some divoting. Do you? Um, right. But, um, yeah, we'll we'll let everyone disappear. We'll we'll growl at everybody who's 50, after 15 minutes, the pitch is ours again, so everyone needs to get off. And I'll make sure that any interviews aren't done on the natural surface. Um, everyone's pretty much tuned into that now. But, um, but, yeah, that's a time when I prowl around the edge and snarl and shut the gate as quickly as, as as quickly as I can I get all the gates shut secure the perimeters and then we can everyone's left then and we can rest easy in our beds go home and have a pizza and a beer and get an early night then it must be weird well for me anyway imagining sort of all the everyone there six seven thousand people there and then half hour later it's quiet and you're back to work again and Guess you're just yeah. used to it. Yeah, no, it's it's yeah, it's a you know, it's a, it never sleeps. It's always you know, you're always preparing for the next game. Like Saturday, um, as soon as the game finishes, we're immediately preparing for Tuesday. So we'll be running the brushes across, running the little spiker across, uh, getting some air into it so it can breathe a little bit. And so then when we when we start preparing for Tuesday, getting there Monday, get it cut on it Monday, cut on it Tuesday, mark it out again Tuesday, and then game again, and then. 
Um, and then, you know, you then get a little bit of respite before the next game. So you're always you're always getting it ready for the next game, unless the weather's horrendous um, and you're going to do more harm than good, in which case you do a do a reasonable divot, put all the sky banners away, put the goals up um, so we don't get any visitors who decide they want to play football um, and, and then head for the hills sort of thing. Recharge your batteries, get in here and get the get the training ground ready for Monday for the for the players to come back in and you know off we go again. Chaz, top of my list of priority questions are you know at halftime or the start of the game or at full time when you get the pitchforks out, are you actually looking for stuff or is that like a little bit for show? So sort of like you know oh, I'm doing this that because Ooh. because I I've, I'm so fascinated by what what you're looking for. Okay, so basically. Well, you are aerating, but you're also, um, well, I talked about the metagrass, as if there's any scarring, like any any stud work, any studs where a stud's skidded or whatever, you get a bit of bit of soil exposed. What you're trying to do, we just sort of tap it down and move it around. It's changed since we've had, it's changed in the last two years since we've had this better pitch. And we're just trying to move the grass over, over you know, the, the, the leaf back over the, the soily bit um, to try and stop the metagrass getting in. There's the odd heel mark, you know, especially where the goalies have warmed up, um, uh, where we'll actually fork it out and put it back down again. Um, and it's certainly changed in the last couple of years since the pitch has changed. And it's gone from definitely lifting heel marks and any big gouges to um, just moving the grass around any skid, any, any like slide marks or, or, you know, say the goalies tend to, to do, they plant their feet a bit stronger than most other players because obviously they're doing goal kicks and stuff. Um, uh, so, yeah, we do, it, it is, does do something. Um, How much of it certainly... is for show, Chaz? Um, well, none of it's show necessarily. Um, although, although some of my, my lads have to be reminded that they, have, they are actually supposed to be doing something and not chatting to each other. But... Um, that's only because the pitch is, especially if it's nice and dry, the pitch is actually doing right for itself. Yeah. I, I'd be honest, it's just made me really realise I turn up on a Saturday and take all of this for granted. Just like, yeah, let's watch the game. And I just never think about all the work that's gone in prior to the match. So, uh, John, I think you need to thank Chaz. Yeah, oh no, I thank Ch- I, I do need to thank Chaz because the pitch is um every time like my dad is the biggest for it. he's like, wow, our pitch looks my dad goes home and away every single week and he goes, Our pitch looks by far and away to every every time he comes in. So yeah, it is it's amazing. I, I absolutely love it. I always I always think oh, I want to play on it, but just not, run not on it when he's not looking. <laughs> you'll have, you have to get past me. You'll have to get past <laughs> me if you want to play on it. Right, I won't hold you up much longer, chat. I've got one more question. Um, so say next year, Exeter are playing Man United at home. We've drawn them in the FA Cup. Yeah. yeah. How much more stressful is that week leading up to that game for you regarding being under the spotlight? Will it feel any different, that game? No. Getting the pitch ready? It will feel different, but it won't be any different in the pitch prep. We we will probably uh, be the weather will stress me. That that's the one thing that will stress when you've got. Um, I mean, it stresses me more than it does already. When if we're in a, a, a dodgy weather pattern, generally those sort of games are when the weather's a bit more volatile. Um, 
Um, but this pitch won't give me anywhere near as much stress as the last pitch. Uh, if it's frost, uh, I, I, to be fair, I relish the big games. Bring it on. Um, I treat them the same as 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 pretty much any other game. Um, and uh, I would more than happy stand up and, and anyone can come and play on the pitch. Yeah. And I yeah. would I would be honoured for you know uh, a Premier League team to play on St James's Park, and hope and I'm sure they would go away feeling that they've been respected, um, uh, and they'd probably be a bit upset because they'd probably have lost two one. Yeah, in the dying yeah. minutes, and the big bank would have gone mad, and it would have been like Barrow. Yeah, <laughs> like the Barrow game. Yeah. God, what did you think of that when they ran on? But that was amazing. Fuming. What I thought of it is I walked up through, I went, I, my job was to make sure no one nicked any corner flags. Although I don't know why, because if they nicked corner flag, it didn't make any difference. But I was just so relieved we weren't going into the playoffs. Yeah, of course. I was absolutely, that was my biggest thing is, thank God, we're not going in the playoffs. And I can, and I got on the phone that night to the contractor and I said, have you seen the result? And he said, Yes, he was watching it. I said, "You, we can book you in for the last game, uh, the morning after the last game of the season, because as soon as that, as soon as I knew we were promoted, it means that I can then do my job, which yeah. is get it ready for what is this season." Yeah. Um, and it's and and I think that's what helps with not being a mad fan. Where it, yeah. you know, I'd be, you know, I mean, we may have had a couple of beers that night, allegedly. But, um, you know, I don't, I certainly, you know, my job is to look after the pitch and, uh, and if the team win, that's amazing. Um, but my job ultimately is to look after the pitches, do the best I possibly can. And, you know, if the team win, I'm really happy, but if the team lose, I'm not really sad. I'm just, well, I'll, I'll, in, in some respects, you know, if we have a, if we do have a bad game, which isn't that often, I'll try my best to make the training ground look as best I possibly can. So the boys come in and they they're inspired to yeah to get out there and and train hard and you know give them the opportunities to you know give them a good surface so they can get ready for the next day next game. Well, thank you very much, Chaz, for coming on. Thank really you. enjoyed it, and uh, a big thank you from us and all the fans. Yeah, for yeah. all the work you put in, because totally yeah. take it for granted. Definitely. Yeah, yeah no, I'm honoured, honoured to to serve to serve the club, um, and honoured that people are proud of our pitch, um, and you know we can we're no longer the poor relations when people come down here. I've stood out there, and oppositions have said things like, "My garden's better than this," and I've had to agree with them. But you know, if their garden's better than our pitch now, then they got one hell of a garden. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much, Chaz. Appreciate Thanks, Chaz. you coming on. Thank you very much. Nice to yeah. meet you. Nice to meet you. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. Bye.